folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city, on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G, Double E S Emil dot Gorgies at Tokyo Realty dot JP. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so we're back with a JREP panel minus Matt, our Akia expert, who was probably out in the Japanese countryside chasing monkeys or exploring haunted houses or whatnot. And this time we dig a bit deeper into home loans and investment loans. Who exactly can borrow from Japanese lenders and when? Uh, timing as far as residency and employment go is apparently a big factor. It needs to be properly planned for. Is it worth getting an investment loan in your country of residence or from a non-Japanese lender? We also talk a bit about the country's many struggling onsen or natural hot spring resorts who were hit hard by the pandemic and are now prime pickings for foreign-based uh, property and hospitality funds. Segue into the uh, mentality of going to an onsen, getting naked with strangers. What do you do with your tattoos? Uh, if like me, you have a few of those. And then we sign off by talking creative and collaboration spaces. What are they? Do they make sense investment wise? Theme chair houses. And we finally um, conclude with a short chat about renovations and loans for renovations, whether as a part of a property purchase or for a property you already own. So nice, long, diverse conversation there with Tracy and Emil. Lean back, enjoy the banter, and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, Japan Real Estate Experts Panel, J-Rep. Back in We're the short. House. We're short. Matt, Matt, I had questions for you today, Bella. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Matt? We miss you. Can you hear him? Was he, gonna jump? Was he going to jump on today? He's, he was, and then he's driving somewhere. He's... Um, oh, okay, okay. No yes, worries. Yeah, he's stuck not. in the car somewhere, so... Okay. But then we can introduce ourselves. Go, We Tracy. can introduce ourselves. So, um, I usually don't get a word in there twice, so I'm going to go first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, my name is Tracy. I am the Minpaku short-term rental expert. I've been doing short-term rentals in Tokyo for 10 years. Um, I do my own properties. I do a combination of rental arbitrage as well as um, management. And also I teach people how to maximize their profits in short-term rentals all over the world. So that's me, Neil. Cool. Um, thanks, yeah. my name is Neil. I'm a real estate agent here in Tokyo and I help people find their 
personal homes, their own family homes. Um, and also, like, so we work as a, a regular real estate agency. And we also act as a mortgage broker. So anything finance-related, we, we have um, agreements and uh, loan offices at the mega banks assigned to our agency. So we can handle all the loan and financing and mortgage uh, for you on your behalf. Thank you. And Ziv, over to you. Yes, I'm Ziv. I'm a co-founder and been running Nippon Tradings International for the last 10 years. And we basically help people um, purchase, manage and sell mainly investment properties anywhere in Japan, holiday homes anywhere in Japan, land and development and land for development anywhere in Japan. And uh, this last week, I've also received the title of producer. I was going to tell you about that. Whoa. We're uh, shooting. Um, we're shooting some videos and footage for some machias, beautiful luxury machias in uh, Kyoto, and uh, oh. we we're recruiting for um, uh, for actors, models, for people to participate in the videos. And uh, Mitch, the oh. photographer who was recruiting them, he said, "Oh, can I put you on a group? Uh, can I put you on a group call with one of the uh, models?" And I said, "Yes." And then he introduced me. This is him. He's the producer. I'm like, oh, okay. Is that what I? <laughs> Because I, I saw your I saw your uh, message. I was like, "Go ahead, Tracy." I was going to say. Call. So this is for so you the photo shoot is for selling these properties or uh, no for um, uh, promoting them for accommodation for uh, domestically. So to for workations, family stays, for um, friend reunions, or anybody who just wants to go to get a couple retreats, what have you. Who's the manager? Who's the company? Who's the so they're owned by uh, Mita Securities, which is like a fund asset management company. They're based here in Japan and also in Hong Kong. Mita and, Securities. Uh, yeah, Mita. How's their guest? When you're there, are you actually going to go to Kyoto to have a look? Of course, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Excellent. Well, check their guest experience. If they need a consultant on on uh, making sure that they've got all their ducks in a row for workations. Yes, I can audit. I can audit their listings. That's what I definitely do. do. They, well, they definitely need help with marketing, which is where we come in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I've got about today. So I want to bring up two. I had two inquiries this week, which I think are very relevant because they are regarding uh, mortgages and financing in Japan, in Tokyo. Um, and they, they are like sort of two paths to a very similar kind of situation. Um, one's the easy one, one's the, the, the complex one. So both of these people don't live in Japan, okay? But they want to buy a family home in, um, in, in Tokyo. One of them, they are like, he's like the, the wife, they used to live in Japan, wife and family Japanese, um, he's a foreigner, but they're living in Singapore right now, okay? So, and you know, well, uh, that's where the employment is. But I think in retirement, they want to move to Japan. So they want to buy a house here. And they don't want to even, they don't want to Airbnb it or rent it out in the meantime because they still come to Japan, maybe, you know, anywhere from two to four months a year. They spend time here and they don't need to rent it out. They just want a place for themselves for every time they come. And they're looking at getting a, a mortgage in Japan. And so this, this is actually um, two people in this very, very similar scenario, okay? Uh, one is in America and this one, one's in Singapore. The, the guy in Singapore, he's fully employed by a Singapore entity. There's no income coming into Japan, okay? And no income declared and no residency in Japan. So essentially for, for that person, it's not possible to get a home loan 
in Japan without being resident here and without having employment income here. Okay, they're, they're going to say, why, why do you need a home loan for a country you don't live in? Or, or even if you do live here, well, you're not employed, so you don't meet those requirements. So you cannot no get recourse, a dual loan. No recourse for yeah. the lender, right? Yeah. Precisely. Mm. Okay. Um, so he's kind of, he's stuck. Because Japan looks at a lot of paperwork, and this one sort of doesn't make sense. They understand that he wants to come and live here um, several times, but it's, it's complex. If he wants to get an investment loan, again, that's hard for people that don't live here. Um, he's looking at some foreign banks that may do it for like 50%. Um, they'll cover like 40 to 50%. Sorry, so they want a, a 40 to 50% down payment. And interest rates closer to four percent, three to four percent. Um, but still, he'll be able to he can get maybe fifty percent financing from uh, this. Uh, um, I think it's a Singaporean, a Singaporean bank for an investment. Um, you do need to be a, I think, a bit wealthy over there in order to, to qualify for that. They don't give it to just anyone for small amounts. The other scenario is sort of the person is in the same situation, but. He's actually employed by a Japanese company. He was employed locally in Japan with him. Like he's, he's an American, but he's, again, wife and kids are Japanese. Um, and he was employed by a Japanese entity and then sent to the U.S. to work. So he's still actually enrolled in the Japan pension scheme, like Shakai Hoken. And so his company pays most of his money overseas. And he has basically just a minimal amount that gets paid locally and is... Um, uh, but he's in currently uh, um, the Shakai Hoken, the employment insurance in Japan. He doesn't live here, though. He doesn't have residency here. But however, when he comes back in his situation, um, and he's planning to move back to Japan, like his time is, is wrapping up. When he comes back to Japan, he's going to be eligible for a loan basically right away because he has residency and has employment. And although he's been living overseas for some time, it's the same employer. Okay, so he's, he basically comes back and says, okay, how long have you been employed at this, this company that sent you overseas? He goes, oh, I've been here for, I've been there for six years. Plus the paycheck is from a Japanese company. That's a big difference. Yeah. And even they'll say, look, what was your pay for the, the past, you know, two years? Like they look at your previous year's tax um, withholding clip, your tax statement. He's like, I was overseas. So my, in Japan, I wasn't paid anything. Or I was paid like, you know, a few hundred thousand yen or whatever minimal amount. Um, it was, this is what I was paid in the US. But my, my employment contracts are now I'm getting paid this much, like locally. And the bank may ask for two or three months worth of pay statements or just the contract. But basically from when you come back um, or within you know the first you know, two, three months, which is how long it takes to settle, you'll be able to get a, a, a local home loan as though you've been here the whole time. So that, yeah, that was just, it's just sort of strange because I don't often get inquiries for people overseas like that are sort of coming back to move and want to buy at the same time. And the first guy I was like, I felt quite bad for because he's not, you're not able to get the financing, even though his story is very similar. But the other guy who was still employed by a Japanese entity, um, he's in a really, really great position. So that's, that's how it is. There's a lot of checkboxes in Japan. So they look at, they look at the income earned overseas as, um, as still as income, uh, still um, not, as his, um, his, his ability to, to service a loan, basically. No, no, they, they, they won't really look at that. So let me give you another example. Um, someone who lives in Japan, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the two big ones are live in Japan, oh, sorry, Japan residency and Japan local source in, income. Okay. The challenging one is someone who lives here, or well, let's say they work remotely for a company in the US. Okay. So they're getting paid there and they're not, there's no local entity that's paying them. Even if they're rem remitting funds to Japan and they are paying tax on it legally, everything is, meets the, the tax requirements. When they go to the, the uh, tax office, I'm uh, sorry, not, when they go to the bank, they'll say, they'll say, where are you employed? I'm employed at, you know, Google. eBay, eBay America or whatever, you know, limited in, in, in the US. And they're like, well, that's not a local entity. You're not employed, employed locally. So it's very, very hard to get financing in that regard, even though, even if they're declaring income locally. Okay, that's very, very challenging. There might be one bank that can do it, but even then you'll need to have permanent residency. Um, but in, in the case with that, my, my first example, this person is employed by a local Japanese entity that's paying him overseas. So he's actually enrolled in the social, the Shafai Hoken. So, um, so from the moment he comes, they'll actually care more about what his future income is. Yeah. Okay. So like a stable employer all of this time. That's what they look yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll look, okay, you've been employed by the same employer for six years. And they'll say, look, it's in US dollar and maybe it was a special project or special assignment. So you get paid a bit different. What are you going to be getting paid now? Because we're giving you a home loan from today moving forward. What are you being paid now moving forward? Is it more or is it less? All right. And that's, but even if it's more, they'll, they'll go up, you know, if, if necessary. Right. Um, so it, it can work in your favor. It's not necessarily um, going to be less, but they will look at that um, in the same way that uh, like usually when they look at the past, the previous year's tax withholding slips, it's because people's employment income hasn't changed so much. If they're just irregularly employed by the same company every year, it's not going to be a huge difference, maybe a few percent, not enough to impact the loan significantly. So there are a few different scenarios. That's why like everyone's like, I, so I've been getting, you know, a lot of these inquiries um, recently, I think a lot of people actually from the podcast um, and from, from these videos. Uh, so yeah, please, yeah, if you are listening, feel free to shoot me an email or a message. I think the link's in the description um, or, or Zib will spell it out for you. Yeah, but uh, bear in mind that um, in, these, in these scenarios, th this is half of the answers that we have to give to people is like, no, unfortunately, you're not eligible for a loan in Japan. Yeah. Oh, well, so there's, there's also the strategy for it though. Like, so for example, Knowing what you are eligible for or knowing how it works helps you plan. So, for example, the one person who's not eligible for that, in, um, uh, for, for the home loan, says, okay, their strategy is once they move to Japan and they start working for, you know, um, six months at the new company or 12 months or 18 months, then they will be eligible. Um, and that's often the case if they have a Japanese spouse or if they have permanent residency. But if they don't have Japanese spouse permanent residency, then yeah, no, it's going to be a long, uh, a long haul. Or look, you're going to need to be working here for 12 months and you need 20% down payment. So it, even if the answer is no, like right now you don't live here and you don't work here. So of course that's a no. It's like, well, but you, if they are, obviously if they're planning to buy a, their own personal home or family home, as opposed to like one of your clients, Zib, which is purely just an investment, a, a small apartment, not really for themselves, um, for the most part. At least knowing when you do come here, what is the approach you should take? Like, right? what are the steps you should take? Because just be like, oh, no, that's it. Well, hold on. 
maybe some person, someone only has to be here for three months or six months. Maybe someone has to be here for two, one year or two years. Um, and even knowing what sort of employment you should try to get or try to structure when you get here. Should you be freelance or should you just take, some companies offer, look, do you want to be like as a contractor or do you want to be a permanent employee? And if the idea is, look, I want to buy a house, then this option, this strategy, that strategy, that, like these, these are the things that you should try to um, set up and arrange. Yeah, yeah it's a plan because, okay, now may not be an option, but let's try to do it in the, in the, the most reasonable amount of time. And whether you want to put a 20% deposit or no, or 100% financing, that's also part of the strategy. So we have lots of lots of things to discuss. So yeah, and, if, if you're not if you're not sure, please yeah reach out. Another option. One of my clients, they they're here part time, um, and they, you know, they're here a couple of months of the year, and then the other couple of months of the year, I do short term rentals with them. Um, but what they did to be creative, and and uh, they they leveraged their um, existing house mortgage in America, um, and was able to. Uh, gather the finance there and pay cash, pay, pay cash for a house in Tokyo for 50 million yen. It was an older house, very serviceable. It does the job. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously not new and shiny, but um, there are houses that you can, houses and land that you can buy for 50 million yen. It's if you very can... viable for homeowners, but for investment properties, it gets a bit tricky because the interest rates overseas are a lot higher than they are here. Sure. If you're paying 4% interest on a property that might be making 5 or 6% in the expense, you're always in danger of slipping into that negative gearing territory, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that, it's, it's just, you know, what, what other people have done that has made sense for them. So, you know, yeah. I'm not an accountant, I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, under those caveats, there, there are some you know, creative ways that you can, if, if, you, if you're desperate to have a roots in Japan for whatever reason. Um, this particular family, obviously, one one spouse is Japanese, and they they want their kids to have that bicultural experience. Um, and uh, the best way was to you know buy a property here that was then just paying for itself rather than being an investment and making money. So it's it's really a personal choice. Speaking of investments, you had some article you wanted to share with us today, right, Tracy? I did. I kept to keep putting myself on mute because there's horrible, horrible, horrible um, construction going on in the building next door and they drive me nuts. Did um, you end up getting uh, compensated for that, by the way? Oh, uh, no. I haven't applied and, you know, um, yeah, it's a long, it's a long convoluted story. So um, on this apartment, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> on this office. But um, what struck me on the news today, just came through on the news today. And so by the time this is... Um, by the time this recording comes out, it might be out for a little while, but there's a US company has um, invested in, uh, has bought the, the Onsen group. So I put the link in the chat and you can probably put it in the show notes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it now, yeah. You're reading it now. It's quite you, interesting, you can, really. You can share the screen if you want, Tracy. I can share the screen. Excellent. I can do that. Let's have a look. You're in um, US fund to acquire yeah that's right so this is a very famous tourist attraction that most tourists when they come will want to go and have it's like a theme park onsen but what what struck me that is that they they actually have a number of yokans and um and onsen hotels throughout japan 
Um, so they operate as many as 40 of these theme parks across Japan. And, you know, they've, because of the, you know, before the pandemic, they were, you know, everything was great, but because all the tourists died, you know, uh, the tourist industry died, um, they're now, they're at a 10.7 billion loss. Um, and so they're offloading that to an American group who, who are obviously getting the whole lot. So, um, they're, they're getting this tourist attraction um, and they're also getting all of these rural uh, rural properties um, and uh, and owning them for quite for, it's quite a considerable fund a, a size uh, size deal so they're obviously bullish about the the market coming back um, but it just just interesting to see what people thought of that yeah we've um, we've cooperated with a this is pre-pandemic with a um, a Hong Kong-based fund, uh, Odyssey, that actually set up a Japan hospitality fan fund uh, doing exactly that. So they were buying, not necessarily distressed, but definitely underutilized um, onsens and machias and uh, even old business hotels um, that they could then reposition as, as luxury properties. And they were doing very well, of course, until the pandemic hit. Um, these days, I think they're probably more in buying mode now because there are distressed properties on the market. But um, yeah, income-wise, I think anybody who's entering hospitality properties and is aiming to make money in the next year or two is probably in a bit of a pickle. I'm still on mute. So I just thought, I mean, obviously they're buying the debt as well. Um, so, you know, this, this group from the US, they're buying the debt, but, um, it's... Well, if they're buying it now, they're probably planning to not even, I mean, it'll take them some time to kickstart operations. So they're probably hoping that the pandemic will blow over by then. Right. Uh, that's, but it, it's just the biggest deal that I've seen in a little while. They're, but they're, they're not just buying that, that flagship property, which is the, um, the theme park onsen at Odaiba, but they're getting 40 hot spring inns and... Um, hotels throughout the company that yeah buying a whole company out just the uh, yeah throughout yeah. Japan so that's that's really interesting um, that they're doing that because there are um, and if their business model was buying up all of these um, uh, resorts then there's uh, there's plenty more to be had mm. um, I wish Matt was here to uh, to give his um, uh, take on it you went to a you went to an onsen um, you know just an abandoned onsen recently Steve. is that right I did, I did, yeah. I like to explore these uh, abandoned spots in Japan, and one of them was an onsen hotel. It was huge, actually. Four floors, uh, three large onsens on the bottom floor, and uh, plenty of guest rooms, and it's just sitting there, growing vines and stuff. It's a, it's a beautiful spot, but uh, yeah, and there are a lot of them out there. We, we regularly get contacted by people who are looking for that, and the deals are definitely there and they're pretty easy to buy and they're pretty cheap to buy. The problem starts when you actually want to run this thing. If you're not living in Japan, I wouldn't even think about it. But people have this fantasy of, you know, being able to do this kind of business remotely and it's just not possible. No. It's tough having Airbnb remotely. Yeah, but do they do they buy the, the water rights as well? Like the, the rights to the spring? Because you pay for that. There's a monthly annual fee. Monthly annual fee. Yeah, and then I mean monthly or annual. You can pay it by the year or by the month, and then you get um, access to the to the onsen water infrastructure that gets pumped into the into the property. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so, and then of course, onset, this is for people who are watching um, watching this. Onsens are, are so highly regulated here and they're, they're people um, uh, get licensed on um, and they get a certificate on what is the chemical composition or the, the mineral composition of each each one and it's it's always up on the wall of the onsen about um, you know this screen has been licensed uh, has been you know accredited for so many percentages of, of sulfur and all the other minerals and it's good for everything from i don't know a sore head to a broken bone but um, i used to be dubious about that but my wife introduced me to some high quality onsens and when you come out of that water you can feel it on your skin it's amazing uh, the placebo effect. <laughs> no, was, no, definitely not. I know yeah. my skin. <laughs> there was a sports club, not like in Setagaya, which actually uh, they have black onsen water. Ooh. I think it was like a, no, it wasn't Tipnet, it was uh, some, one of those big ones, right? Um, it was a full of senior citizens, but um, I get like sometimes a casual drop in membership. It was included with my health insurance for like a thousand yen per, per visit. Um, and it's just, it, so it's like the, Big sort of ofuro, and but the water is just black, and there's an explanation about what the the details about why it's black, but it gets sort of shipped over. Um, it was really nice. Like you, I after going there, I'm like, oh, okay, it's not just a hot murky bath because when you go in just an ordinary hot bathtub, like you know, I go, I, I sometimes jump in the, the the bath with my kids after they've been in there. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, yeah, no, it's not the same. No, you can smell it too. And the, and the high sulfur concentration ones, you can really smell it when you're in there. Yeah, yeah. but the black oh, one was really interesting. Look, I love an onsen. I think onsen is the, an onsen culture here, especially in the country, is just you know, it's just so delightful. And it's amazing. Um, and uh, my son, who's 11, has been going to onsen since he was a baby. He just he loves a good onsen. Um, and uh, and I always find it amusing when, because I look after a lot of tourists when they come into town and it's just like, oh, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be naked with everybody. And it's just like, <laughs> um, when they get, when you get over that, this is, it's not usual in the Western culture to be, you know, you know, in a big room naked with lots of people. Uh, it depends on the Western culture. My European guests who come here yeah, yeah. usually don't have a problem with that at all. It's, uh, not, it's just the Americans. Americans yeah. It? Americans are, oh, Australians, Australians are, like, it took me, it took me a little while just to be like, all right, with it, like, now, now I'm completely fine, but yeah, to be honest, like, well, like, hey, like, like, we went on a ski trip to Mazao, like, this is with, with some mates uh, last year, and like, the idea of, oh, hey, like, me and the boys, hey, let's just go hot spring hopping, we'll go from one hot spring to like, hey, this is all just get naked and go in a little bathtub together with my mates, yeah. Like I wouldn't do that in Australia. Hey guys, do those <laughs> all get stripped naked? Or if we have a someone's got a jacuzzi in their house, <laughs> one of the guys jumps in naked, everyone's jumping out. Yeah. Um that is yeah, there's it, it, it takes a while to the, the, I think it's the, awesome. The my son like, like yours, Tracy, my son's twelve and he just loves it. Whenever we go for a drive, he's like, How many onsens are we stopping at today? But he freaks out. He's actually too Japanese because he freaks out about my tattoos every time we walk into an onsen. Like, Dad, you gotta hide it. We gotta put the towel here and there. Somebody might see. They'll call the cops on you. It's not not as bad as that. See, I didn't know you had tattoos. This is I had a bunch of I have yeah, a bunch yeah. of tattoos, yeah. Only yeah. visible in the onsen. Oh, okay. But fortunately, they're all on the right side of my body. So if I fling the towel, kind of covering all of my right side, 
Uh, they cover all of them, and then everyone's too busy staring at my nether regions to even know. You're supposed to hide your genitals, right? Like that's what you're supposed to do in an onsen. Uh, <laughs> it's like the the. Uh, um, the I think, I think once you turn like once you're over seventy-five, once you're over seventy-five, hiding genitals and like trying not to do like just air squats. It goes out the window because yeah. I've seen those guys just do all kinds of amazing stuff. Yeah, um, they just put it on. They just fold it and put it on their head from the get go. They don't even wait until they get in the bath. With that. <laughs> so let's do a sumo squat, stretch, and cough. Again, like the, the, that that um, the sports club with that black the black onsen water. That's, that's a couple eyeful at the same time. It's like you can't see anyone in there, but when they're out, well, they're fully out. <laughs> Where was I? I've got a question. Um, a bit different to what we usually like. Well, to my, like, I've got zero experience with it. You guys may have um, some idea. Tracy, maybe more. And I was really hoping Matt would be here. So, how do I guess creative spaces, art spaces, share like a shared office? I can sort of get, but these like, you know, like Matt often talks about look i want to build sort of a community like you know you want to get a place and build like a community kind of vibe a, a, a place that like maybe has a cafe and also some like creative art spaces creatives can go there and and make art make music design stuff build it like how does that work like in, in, in when i say how's that like in terms of logistics and financial we interrupt this broadcast, I always wanted to say this, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. 
right? I know there are some places in, in Tokyo that are like that. Like they either like a shared office or like, you know, entrepreneurs type of hub. Um, you know, charge by usage, don't they? Yeah, they, they charge by usage. But now I'm talking about like to the creative spaces. So the, the, the office, shared office kind of entrepreneur I can get, but these creative kind of hubs. Like yeah, but same story. Like, like a, a recording studio. Musicians come there, they pay by the hour or by the month or by the week, however, you know, whatever kind of plan they've got, and they, they pay for the usage. Well, and also there's, um, uh, there's online, you know, online marketplaces for those spaces. Like if you look at Spacey, um, there's a few other ones. So if you're, and I've used them before, I've been looking for a meeting space that is uh, for, you know, I didn't want people to come to my office. I wanted actually to have an office and a desk and, and, uh, and you can, you can rent apartments. And so a lot of the, when the Minpaku laws changed, a lot of these places that were running nighttime, uh, you know, uh, uh, nighttime, so, you know, like a, a accommodation converted to, um, to sort of spaces that you could rent by the hour because they're not regulated. Uh, they're not yeah, regulated. Temporary so meeting room. Temporary meeting oh, rooms. Yeah. There's a ton of them and you can, and obviously different categories of like whether you want whiteboards or whether you want, you know, different amenities. Um, so you can rent it that way. Or there's a lot of people who, there's some, a lot of, uh, I've seen a couple of places, obviously before the pandemic, that were um, almost like incubator type things where you, they had some accommodation that was registered for hotel licenses. Um, and they had sort of hot desks that you could do co-working. Um, but and they also had sort of lounge rooms, um, drop-in spaces, and a lot of these were older apartment buildings, so those big concrete ones. And so someone had bought the whole thing and can like knocked out walls and just converted into to sort of we work type of things, uh, we work wannabes. Um, we can get a bunch of these for yeah, it was really supposed interesting. to be our next event for the uh, the games and business networking thing in supposed to be March in Tokyo. There's some beautiful spaces, um, but that's unfortunately probably not going to happen if numbers are continue to be in the uh, yeah. 20,000 daily new cases as they are now. Yeah. Tokyo is at 4,000 now. Um, so, so what, what yeah. prompted that question, Emil? Like, you know, is someone wanting one, someone doing one, or are you just curious? I've got, well, I've got a space and I'm trying to think of what to do with it. Um, uh, like Airbnb, Minpaku is the, the standard kind of, like what is one option and it's been used to that before. The other one is like regular Japanese tenants. So just fixed contract. But I kind of, I'm like every time I speak with like, you know, something like well, when we have um, Matt talk about, you know, even yourself, Tracy, like you in particular, these kind of, want to go and establishing and i've had clients as well ask me like you want a place with like a studio room or studio space for like a, a creative community um generally artists can sort of come together and stuff but so it's a bit different to like just a one-time fixed rental space as an office space or come and use it as a photo as a photo studio or something um i'm, I'm just really i'm, I'm kind of intrigued this opportunity's come up sort of i had a tenant kind of leave and now it's like I can do regular sort of stuff, or why not take the opportunity to, to just explore this other That's avenue? even more of a hands-on experience than running a short-term rental, I would say, because people are going to be renting by the day or by the hour. It's not even going to be for stays, right? Well, that, that's why I was curious, because if it is just, 
straight up they come and, and rent just for the hour or whatnot, then I think that's that's not mm, that, that's not appealing at all. Because right? then it's just it's just rent. a more complicated yeah rental space. I wouldn't Where expect more than a day for your typical rental, maybe two or three days at most. Well, yeah, precisely, right? Like it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. But you know, and maybe a decade ago, there was a place in like in near Shirogane Takanawa. It was like some IT. They had, um, I, I think they were doing just like free courses or one thousand yen for a course. You come in and it's like this is very really early days, like introduction to iOS coding. Make your first iOS app. It was the hacker. Right. It was the hacker farm. That's it. That's it. Those guys. Yeah. They, they were down. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I've been there. That was actually, that was, yes, that, that was the start of the hacker farm. And, um, uh, and, um, and they've actually moved out to Chiba. Um, and so friends of mine have been associated with it for a long time. But what you could do is speak to some of these creative collectives. And there are some. Um, and I can introduce you to a couple of people that I need you know, people that do get together and they do, um, uh, they have their own like little cottage, cottage industries, um, yeah. people that do like home, like, especially if, it's, if you have a commercial kitchen and you get it and you get it licensed. So someone might want to rent it to do their, uh, to do commercial cooking, but they don't want to, you know, they, they only want to rent it sort of once a month to do their events or whatever. So I would yeah. get, talk to some creative collectives and to see what what's around and what what they would want and what they would be what they would pay for i mean it's a that can probably help with that too like you said matt could probably help i mean there are community centers run by like the the city so yeah. um and they're usually pretty grim i mean but they're very cheap to rent um and there's lots of rules about having to, you know, clean up. But Emil, are you up for handling daily rentals and having like at least well, a part-time well, no. staffer on board and somebody who actually no, no, that, there, right? So, so that's why if it was like a daily rental type of thing, then then no, not at all, because that's truly just the arms length kind of rent. But like that's I think what you mentioned, like the, the creative collectives. I tell because when I went to that hacker space, that was not like a rental kind of. Thing. And however, it felt more like a community, really, really a, a, a good community. I had a really good vibe about those people. And although I, I, I didn't go back to, too busy to really follow it up, it was just, and I remember they had like, oh, they just one of the early 3D printers. Like, we just got this in and we, they're going to play with it and stuff. And they just print little stuff like this big. But like, you know, it just really takes explore and stuff. And I thought that was such a good vibe. And but they were probably tenants, no? They were probably actual tenants, like paying by the month, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, no, no. So they, they 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 had some. They had some that that were that were had they were had desks. They they rented desks, and they were people that were doing things like jewelry, not jewelry making, but they were hacking things. And they they had sort of shared resources. Um, they didn't want to rent something all of their own, but it was it was really a communal thing, and they they shared a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. But, but it was yes. like that was with the, the hack, the IT technology kind of space, right? Um, and so even something like that, like I just, I'm intrigued by it because that's not, because you don't like charging people just to come and, and manage it just one time. Like you have sort of a regular group of people that can sort of use it regularly. So that, that, that was my question. Like uh, that, and that was actually, I'm glad you, you, you sort of dug my memory about the, the hacker space. Because that's a kind of that community. Like, how does that make money? Where does the income come from, from something like that? Um, because I think one, you can generate income, which is like technically it's going to be rental. It's for usage, 
but it's you're also sort of fostering a community and a, and a network and it's a like a regular kind of it's, it's a different kind of space than just hey like one hour meeting like or just a half day meeting room for some organization or some private use that they come in and you have no idea what's going on and there's no particular theme whereas you know hackspace so i've just yeah like that hackerspace is probably the right the image that i had because of my one time i visited the place but i was curious yeah how how they generate my question was how do they make money how does Unfortunately, they don't make massive money? amount of money it's more that that you people are looking to give back to the community they're, they're it's a it's a labor of love it's something it's it's sort of in that non-profit realm rather than the this is a way to hack this is a way to be extremely profitable um yeah. so there's a, a different value there so um yeah. Yes, you need um, to make money, but you're also getting you're also getting value to your life, which is not necessarily in cold hard cash. Yeah, and, and that's, that's, that's and that's great. I think that's really yeah. So that's the thing. Like in this case, I'm I'm the landlord. I've got this space, and I can just go the Airbnb route or the regular Japanese rental route and just make just straight up money from it. But I feel there's like as you said, this you. It's more more management time, more headache, more involvement, and less money. But there's that community aspect and giving back and sort of help support people that, you know, in that thing that maybe a handful of them sort of really sort of are able to flourish from that opportunity. Um, I think the best of both worlds for you, Emil, would be to yeah. find a really cool community tenant so that you don't need to be hands-on involved exactly. and you can still enjoy what they're doing with your space. And, and, and it's mm-hmm. helping yeah, you know, they've already got their agenda they just you know they've got their community and what they want to achieve the but space. they're just looking yeah. for the space you provide the space so it's like a you know um, yeah well it's a, a well, it's, it's, in, well it's, a, it's a nice modern house in shibuya so if anyone wants if anyone's keen to to um yeah he's hearing this and it's like hey let's inquire and talk someone then yeah re- reach out I, I do know some some community some community people because there, there was there was a place called best living japan and she had a uh a commercial oh, yeah, um, ki- yeah lauren karasaki lauren yeah lauren yes 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 um she just announced at the beginning of january she's closing best living japan um oh, really? so there is a hole in the market so she she was running um uh she was running uh classes and, and art classes and craft classes but i think she's so uh, yeah she had a place down in there's also a lady in my um Nimpaku, like the i'm involved in a japanese women's community group for hosts um so in shibuya so the shibuya women's hosts collective no no they're not just women sorry it's just the shibuya host collective they're mostly women um, and one of the women, her Minpaku place, actually on the ground floor, she has an art studio. On the middle floor, she's got an art gallery. She's got like two or three Minpaku places um, that are licensed, and then she lives on the she lives on the top, um, and that's her that's her business. I was going to um, say that's another thing that you can do. I, I'm not sure how big that space is, but um, we do regularly get contacted by uh, artists who are looking for a. Uh, like a mixed place where they can live in and have a studio and have a shop. So ideally three floor small building or like a big space that can be divided into three. And there, there are plenty of people looking for that. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was just, yeah, just um, talking to a client, yeah, to a possible client yesterday. He's looking to rent something for himself and his wife as an as an art space to live in as well. So yeah. um, I think they know who that client is. Yeah, I think they know who that is. He's looking at buying or renting, right? Uh no, just renting. Just said. renting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm like I'm open to to different sort of usage usages to a, to a degree. Um, it doesn't have a shop front, so the go that you have to go into house. Um, Artists but, don't need a traditional shop front. Yeah, right? exactly. They right, can yeah, turn but, anything into a shop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's why if it's an artist, it's all right. If it's someone else, like, you know, want like a, a, a shop front, that doesn't make sense. Like, this one's not suitable for it. But in terms of just the, it's a three bedroom house with a nice open living room. Um, and each of the rooms are nice sized, either for, for offices or the occasional, like, you know, visiting artist that wants to stay and crash overnight, stuff like that. Mine's like, if it's a community space like that, they've used, like, I'm really intrigued by the idea of, you know, having a hub and creating something that provides value to the community, value to certain individuals, um, an opportunity for them to sort of create. When was, definitely when I was younger, it's like straight up all about the money, all about the dollar. But now it's like, well, hold on, what, what other, like, you know, as a real estate agent, I like helping people being able to buy their family home, right? That's the reason I do this, because I think, it's very, very rewarding. Um, I used to work in, in IT, uh, enterprise level stuff, and that's not nearly as, that's not very rewarding, right? That's just corporate. This is rewarding because you're helping individuals buy a home, but now it's like, well, what if I can also, there's an opportunity now just to help individuals sort of create, like, I think, especially creatives, because I'm not creative at all. I think, and it's not, I mean, the one I can sort of get some exposure to it, but also, just a, a space for people to be able to do that. When I went to that hacker space, um, you know, over a decade ago, I thought, wow, this is such a good, a good vibe. It's the community of people helping each other sort of just get ahead and learn more and, and be better, right? All just very, very positive. Um, nothing about being arrogant and stuff. And just the more you give, the more the net, the, the net value of everyone sort of grows. Karma is practical. So, you could also do, yeah. um, you know what you could do is a themed share house. Those are a big hit in Tokyo. So, and they're not as as involved as uh, short-term stays because the people who are sharing are obviously there for like at least six months at a time usually. And then you, you, you make the share house a themed share house. So there are some with pets, some for art, some for music, some for international uh, communication, stuff like that. And then the people who will, will be attracted to renting this sort of, you know, a room in that space would be the kind of people that you would theme the house as. Who owns it? Yeah, who so owns it, Emil? Is it like your me, house? Me, yeah, I put control. All right, I'll, I'll put you in touch with this chap I was talking to yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wish us to Lauren as well. Yeah, she was actually one person in mind that because I knew she had a similar kind of thing. And she was also, I hadn't been to her space, but she was also someone who's, who I had an idea about um, reaching out to, to inquire. Uh, was like yourself and, and her <laughs> were the two I was going to reach out to um, to, to get an idea. And I'm, I'm kind of curious about it now. I've got this opportunity um, that it's sort of vacant. And it's like, oh, the location's fantastic. Um, and it's, I, I don't mean, have to deal it's with... It's a really good landlords. location, that house. That's a, that yeah, Hats, no, yeah. Hats of thy house. It's fantastic, right? Hats of thy house. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. both like, you know, Shibuya Ward, it's like, what, three, like, well, you can like 25 minute walk to Shinjuku. I can you can you can do the walk, but it's um you know two short stops of four minutes on the train mm. um, to to Shinjuku. Um, yeah, there's a bus to go straight to Shibuya. Access for it, so it's 
fantastic. There's this there's driveway, so lots of bicycles can park out the front. Lots of space in the in the front of it. So that yeah, like I just the, the more I think about it, the more I think, oh, this actually kind of makes sense. Have you been inside, Tracy? Haven't been inside, no. Haven't yeah. been inside. Yeah, yeah. but that, that that particular chap I was talking to yesterday, you know, I was I was actually saying, you know, I I was almost going to introduce him to you anyway because, um, you know, because he he was going to be here for a while and he's say shine and it, you know. Uh, you know, if you're looking at spending this much per month, why aren't you looking at possibly buying something? Um, yeah. But he got, you know, that wasn't something he was interested in. And that's totally fine. Not, not everyone is in that buying mindset. Mm. Sure, yeah, please, please uh, yeah, raise your hand. Because like I say, it's just an idea and honestly, just almost like a pipe dream. Cause also, I, I can't give it out for free, of course. I'm not that, you know, and, and he needs to pay his bills and, and also make some money to a degree. That's not um, what I heard, Emil. And I know what I can get for rental. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so oh, anyway, that was a bit that, I've been speaking a lot. But, uh, <laughs> Neil is Batman. Yeah, like the night he goes yeah. up. Robbie. Carry on, carry on. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, look, we've been going nearly an hour already. So um, I guess I'd like to sort of hear from people who are watching you know, the three people who watch our show, what, also what, they, they, what they're wanting to talk about. Because um, I have a friend who's just started up a reform company. And so I thought that might be an interesting, um, you know, an interesting conversation to, to hear about what's involved in, you know, getting old places and reforming so, them. And, and Yeah, I would love to uh, uh, he or a she or a... So she, she's just started. Well, she's not doing actual reforming. She's hooked up with a... So she found a contract to do the reform on her place. And then Can I now just jump in gone, yeah. and say renovation? Ah, oh, gomenne? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, gomenne? For, for the listeners who are like, what is reform in Japan? Uh, Budgetary renovation. Reform, yeah, <laughs> yeah ren <laughs> renovation. In Japan, they say reform. So the mm -hmm. Japanese English expression for a renovation is reform. Um, yeah. So when we talk about renovation company, they come in, they change the wallpaper, they can, you know, move walls around, modify your kitchen, update your kitchen, toilets, that stuff. The renovation company in Japan, in Japanese, say, uh, reform your shop. Uh, reform I'd company. love to have her on the show. And to be honest with you, if she's up yeah. for it, I'd love to have her as a regular because uh, we always get these kinds of topics and questions. Well, she's, the thing is, it'll be interesting to track the journey because she's just started up this business. She's always had a, a real interest in real estate and as a, to, to own, to buy, to sell, you know, as a, but this is the first time she's actually gone in and, you know, put, you know, uh, put some bucks behind it and actually running a renovation company. So, but she's hooked up with a, a Japanese based contractor who was working for a reform company um, and now wanted to sort of be more freelance. So that's a, you know, she wanted to work with someone who had the hustle and wanted to, uh, collaborate so i'd be really interested to hear yeah. first of all how they source properties you know i mean is this the start of a flipping you know a flipping buy and flip type of arrangement that would be a really interesting culture to that doesn't exist right now so yeah um my what well, well, just while well, we talk about when innovation and whatnot i'm saying so our office the agency we have a renovation team um and it's more so like not a bit different. We, we're not a renovation company. We don't do just straight up. We, we can, but that's not really the reason it started because we have almost now a thousand properties under rental management. Um, we have about 
over 10 um, move outs every, every week. Uh, and so all just the cleaning and, and rewarping and stuff, we put it all in-house and general maintenance and things. Um, and then they're like, you know, kitchen changes and, and what have you. And also for clients that are buying used properties, maybe they want to change the wallpaper or update the kitchen. So we it's sort of an add-on to our sort of existing kind of service. If someone says, you know, just straight up, like they won't just Google, hey, renovations Tokyo and, and find us. That's not really our, our target. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to, to talk to someone about um, about that. But one thing I know is, I think I was talking to our boss, I'm not too engaged with the, the renovation people, to be honest, is though if it's over, I think, 10 million yen, so $100,000 of renovation, you need a separate license. Um, like if you want to do like a mass scale renovation, you need to be licensed by, you need to have a member of staff has to have been, has to meet certain requirements and certain experience requirements because it's almost like a construction. So yeah, that, that's something that's, that's interesting. So a lot of the renovation companies that don't meet that, like they're not doing, they can't really build a house or do massive sort of restructural changes. But I'm guessing most people like that are doing that, that are inquiring about that, probably are not going to spend that much anyway. They want, hey, want a new kitchen? We want to change the toilet. Um, look for the sweet wallpaper of the house. I want to knock down this wall so I have just more open room between this bedroom and that bedroom. We don't need that wall. The kids have moved out. Instead of two five to five girl rooms, we want a nice ten girl room and no tatami. Stuff like that, I think, yeah, fantastic. For, Plus, that for licensing that. that licensing sounds like really easy to get around. I mean, right? You could just structure it as two renovations, right? We do a phase one, phase two, and they're both under 100 million. Um, yeah, being, they're, they're, Ziv, this is being recorded. Be very careful. I'm sure, <laughs> well, I'm sure they're well, doing it, though. Well, 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 yeah, well, well, yes, yes, definitely. But at the same time, if you're a customer, yeah, you, like, you want I'm the license. You, I'm yeah. giving you like $120,000. Yeah. But you're, you're not licensed. Like, yeah, if I'm spending that much, I want a company that can do it. It's not like, oh, it's between like 180,000 yen and 230,000 yen. I'm going to go with a cheaper buyer. Yeah. Um, I don't care if they're licensed plumber, just a toilet replacement. So they don't need, like, you know, no, I think, yeah, anyone who's, who's in that isn't going to do it. So, yes, technically there's a workaround, but I don't think that, I think the client will also. And like you said, um, depends on renovation. If you're getting a big yeah, job, you want, yeah. But the, the, the topic of renovation is just massive because. Um, you know, you can get the an additional loan to if you are doing a massive regut and yeah. you know doing a you can you can get a renovation loan on with a with a bank. Oh, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we go, wait, wait. That's a question I wanted to ask you, Emil. Do, do bank, I was in the middle so, of a thought. <laughs> so, no, no, it's, I, I think it's the same thought. You finish yours, and then I'm, I probably yeah. got the exact same question. And I was about to answer answer both your thoughts. Carry on, go. I'll but also, the, the but also the other thing that you see companies do is that they buy the whole building and then they they you know they renovate and then especially old mansion buildings and then they they make them pretty and new and shiny um, and then to get extra life out of them. So you can pick up um, you know. You can't do short-term rentals with these, but you know if you want to buy um, a renovated apartment, uh, you do get more more room. Like because you know you, you, usually the older places have higher ceilings and they're bigger they're bigger spaces, but they they've been completely redone by a, a reform or renovation company. That was the end of my thought. <laughs> 
I was going to ask because somebody asked me just this week. Um, so I know you can get a loan to buy a home, investment home or owner occupied home. And I know that you can get a loan to build a home. But can you get a loan to buy an old home and also include the renovation cost in the normal market? Yes, you can. You can. You can. You can. Yeah. So, so what we do, and this is also why we have the renovation team sort of within our offices. You know, and we have it. So some clients, they will they buy like a used apartment. Maybe it's like you know, 15 years old. And generally with the wet areas, kitchen, bathroom, toilet, uh, and also wallpaper, after about 10, say 15 years, 15 years of pretty moderate usage, you'd want to change those, right? Um, so yeah, when, when they say you buy a place 15 years old and go look, okay, I want all the wallpaper and the, um, the new toilet, bathroom, kitchen, maybe say like 5 million yen, 6 million yen, 2 million yen, or however much you want to spend. We can get the quotes and put that with the mortgage, the, the purchase application. So let's say the property is you know, 55 million yen and you have another 5 million yen of renovation, which we've got a quote for. We do the application together and say, okay, we want 55 for the house, um, 5 million for renovation and say you know, 3 million yen for closing costs. You put that through and they each will get assessed. But um, yeah, it's generally sort of one combined mortgage. Um, most lenders, do, yeah. So re renovations uh, can can be included. So what was that? Do most lenders do that? Yeah, yeah, yep. Perfect. That, that, that's that's very very common for like the, the mega banks that we deal with. Um, on the assumption that it's it's a standard property that like often it's apartments or may, maybe a house, um, and the renovation that you're doing is typical renovation, not massive structural change, like you know, new bathrooms, toilets, kitchen, wallpaper. Um, you know, electrical outlets, uh, maybe flooring, etc. Maybe outside sort of cleaning and and the outside maintenance. If the yeah. house is fifteen years old and has never been maintained, stuff like that. Um, you can. I heard that it's not more than twenty percent the prop the property value. So if it's fifty million yen for the house um, or the apartment, then they won't give you more than ten million yen for the for the um, renovation. It, it's nice yeah. because the, the the interest rate is at your normal jutaku interest rate, whatever you uh, rather than yes, yeah, I yeah. think in Australia or uh, when you're doing a like um, a renovation loan, that's actually at a slightly different slightly different um, uh, yeah. interest rate. So yeah, and I get some people that say, look, uh, look, you know, I just, they, sometimes just mentally exhausted, which I can fully understand. Like, I'm I'm with them all, all the whole step of the way, and it's exhausting, mentally exhausting for me as well. They say, look, you know what? Just let's we'll just move in and we'll do the renovation just you know next year. So it's like okay, you can do that, but getting the loan is going to be more than you get more headache because you got to do the loan and your interest rate is going to be higher. I know it's like one point five two percent. Yeah, it's not just included within the the home loan um, uh, itself. So just something to keep in mind. So yeah, that that is definitely an option and a good one at that. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Well, Thank that's you. probably a good place to stop. Thanks so much. Everyone's got a hard stop um, today, right? So. Yep. I'm soft. Sorry. <laughs> I've got a soft. Yeah, I'm soft. Too much information. I've got a soft again. Maybe we don't. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a three o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good place. I've got a bit to stop. of time. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks so much for your pointers as well, guys. About um, yeah, my creative, uh, yeah, creative club. That. I love Let's it. Come back, Matt. Yeah. We miss you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. We want more stories um, and, 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 and goats. 
Steve, if the space is ready, you guys can maybe hit that up for your uh, your board your board game night. Um, that would be very good, actually. Um, but how many bedrooms do you have? Three. Three. Okay. Well, we could maybe strike a deal with a hotel next door or something. We'll work it yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, well, just an accommodation. There's a Sakura house not, bar, not far away. Like a oh, Sakura perfect. hotel. Okay. Sakura hotel. Like, yeah, backpack or lodging type. Perfect. Well, if you could there. just bring Corona numbers down a bit, we'll be there. I know, it's horrible, isn't it? And, and Zip, <laughs> I'm actually, if, you, if you need my assistance in uh, Kyoto, uh, as a, if you think that there's some budget there for um, production assistance to help with the marketing on, the, on those properties, the short-term rentals, uh, well, once we have all the videos and photos done, um, then we'll start talking about what's the best way to promote. So definitely. Well, have they decided who their target market? Have they done their pre-photo shoot? Because you, you should figure out who you're trying to market to before we're you creating take a photo a shoot. We're creating a few. So we're going to be creating one master video, which will include the interview, interview with the fund manager and about the history and the renovation of the property in Kyoto and all of that. And then we're going to also do four or five separate short videos, uh, marketing to uh, friends groups, to couples, to uh, workation people, to families and so forth. Okay. So interesting. All right. uh, see how we go. My first uh, production gig. <laughs> all right. Thanks for your time, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. All right. So as advertised, nice, long, deep dive into a bunch of property investment topics. Trust you've enjoyed it. And if you're interested in the last part of the conversation regarding renovations, rebuilds, etc., spoiler alert, we're soon going to have a renovation expert join the panel. We're expanding. So you can expect a lot more of these types of conversations and at far more depth starting in a few weeks time. Watch this space. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. <music>